Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and in this show I talk with composers, songwriters, producers, and scientists to bring you musical inspiration and practical composing tips. Today's episode features songwriter Bubba Hollenhorst, who's been making pop music for years and is now on a new adventure to write a post-apocalyptic, space-themed musical. Bubba shares some things he's learned so far, with help from his co-writer and theater director, Nicole Wilder. You want to make sure that that your songs are telling a story and that they're not just there because they're a song. Like, you really want them to help drive the story rather than tell the story, sing a song, tell the story, sing a song. My first encounter with Bubba was as a freshman in college, watching him front the ska band Fred Savage and the Unbeatables. He's always been inspired to write funk, R&B, or anything that'll get people to move. In this episode, we do some nerdy analyzing of dancing, and Bubba shares his thought process behind his tune, Don't Think, Just Move. How do I dance? When I dance, what am I doing? And then I realized, like, wait, I just don't think about it. I just dance, because when you think when you're dancing, then you look ridiculous, because you know everyone's watching. So if you just don't think and you start dancing, it usually goes a lot better. For some context, Bubba mentions the songwriting game in our talk. We played that a few years ago, and the idea is that songwriters get together and give each other title prompts. Then everyone has 45 minutes to come up with something. Stick around to hear what Bubba wrote from the prompt, My Muppet Died in My Arms. All that and much more coming up. Now, a moment to thank my patrons. Shout out this week to my new patron, Ed Vogel, who's a pianist and new music enthusiast here in the Twin Cities. Ed makes piano-based coloring books, so if you have kids learning piano, check out Ed's site, twincitiespianolab.weebly.com. This week, I wrote a jingle for my patron, Bob Lazo. Bob Lazo went camping one day, so... He could bring a photo home But when he framed it It lost what it once meant Beautiful and free and unknown But he kept taking photos Cause his heart was loaded With inspiration and awe And with some practice He captured the magic Beautiful and free in his home. Thanks, Bob. To check out some of Bob's photos and custom ringtones, like this one you're hearing, visit boblazo.net. And that's spelled L A Z O. If you're interested in becoming a Composer Quest patron, visit patreon.com slash Charlie. Last week, I got an intriguing tweet from a listener, Johnny Feisty. He said, Recorded a song while listening to the most recent episode. Not sure I'd do it again, but it was an interesting process. Wrote it in Logic, listening to the show on an earbud while wearing studio headphones over it. Pretty weird idea. But I asked Johnny if I could hear his track, and he sent me this, which was inspired by my guest Syriac Harris's crazy music.
Johnny said, I attempted to incorporate Syriac's unorthodox approach as he was describing it. I actually intended to incorporate more of building on loops, but I think my brain got too scrambled trying to simultaneously listen and create. I realized after I finished how difficult it is to not rely on habitual music practice. Pretty interesting idea there, Johnny, so thanks for sharing. It's nice having reminders to stretch your composing brain every once in a while. One last announcement, you have a week left to finish the tattoo quest. If you missed this announcement, we're writing music based on Tim Cheesebrow's family tree, and he'll be tattooing his favorite eight measures on his arm. So check out the guidelines at composerquest.com tattoo if you want to try it out. All right, let's get on to my talk with Bubba Hollenhorst. I start out by asking him about his ska and funk band, Fred Savage and the Unbeebles, which now plays a lot of wedding shows with cover music, but this is one of their originals. It's time for some funky-ass loving. You dig? I'm curious to hear about how Fred Savage, your band, formed, like, okay, back in the day, because I guess I haven't asked Mitch about that, really, even. Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> okay, so, uh, I don't know. It was one of those things that we had talked about, like, as a group of friends, because it was basically just... A bunch of our our friends. We had uh, tackles. Tackles' parents' house was like you know like I feel like every group of friends has the one house growing up where like it's open door policy all of the time and there are just people coming in and out and his house was like that and amongst the thirty people that would hang out there uh, of our big group of friends in high school, one day we were just sitting around and uh, it was just like hey, I mean we got drums and guitar and nick plays bass and you three all play horns like we could totally start a ska band i mean i swear to god it was that like it was just like let's let's do it because you know when we were 16 17 it was like the amount of real big fish and less than jake that we listened to was like super out of hand so uh so it was like yeah the initial thought was oh look at all these instruments we have let's uh let's start a ska band we're like cool and then a week later we had a practice and learned like five real big fish songs and it was like That sounded pretty good. Let's learn more. And then that's basically how it happened. (laughs) Cool. So it seems like Ska was, you guys hit at the perfect time for like college Ska music that people loved you. Like (laughs) you probably filled out the pub on campus more than any other band, I'm guessing. Well, surely while we were in college... I would I would say that was for sure true. I mean, I worked I was lucky enough to get the greatest job on campus, which was in my senior year I just got to run a bar on campus as my work study. So, um so yeah, I got to I got to be a part of other shows and I, I think we were just super lucky. We I mean, it doesn't hurt to have 10 guys in your band cuz that's like then everybody can guilt. If everyone can guilt in 10 people to coming, if you have 10 guys in your band, that's 100 people. That already feels like a packed show, you know. Yeah. Basically like two or three of the best memories I have of life are rocking out to to pub shows at St. John's to like a way over fire code crowd of just just having a great time drunk college kids. So, uh, God, that was so much fun. Not to say that what we're doing now isn't fun. It's a ton of fun. But yeah. those shows, you just can't beat like that kind of an atmosphere, I don't think. Yeah. Well, you did successfully get everyone to do the weird St. John's tradition of getting in a circle and dropping their pants. Mm-hmm. In the bar, in a public bar, not just. Uh... That's true. People do like to people like to drop their pants when they're when they're really drunk. It, it's 
Does, it doesn't take much convincing. I broke my arm three days ago. Oh, no. I fell off my longboard on the way to work, and uh, <laughs> no. and I fractured my radius and uh, uh, cracked a couple ribs. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So you're not playing guitar right uh, now? No, but we also oh, I wanted to tell you about this, because uh, I think you would really appreciate it and think it's cool. And maybe uh, the next one we do or something, we could, uh, we could do it together, because uh, I know how much you enjoyed the songwriting game. Um, so Louie and I... Uh, from Louis from my podcast and yeah. one of my bands, we just found out about the and I get apparently it's been around for at least a little while. But the uh, the app Periscope by Twitter or like Twitter just bought it. Are you familiar with oh. Periscope? Yeah, is that the weird like one the where li- you like watch people's wi- live feeds from their their phones or yeah, something? Yeah, you can yeah you can <laughs> just go live and so it's like anybody you're following on Twitter or whatever. You get a notice if they go live, and then after they finish, what their recording stays up, and you you have twenty four hours if you want to watch the re- replay. Um, and I had no idea this existed, and I get that it seems a little weird and creepy in a lot of ways. But our buddy uh, Halvey from uh, the Big Ideas, which is a band we used to play with when we lived in Portland, Halvey lives out in Seattle, and he had a concert on Friday night, and he uh, called a bunch of us because all of us who are in the band with him now live in Minnesota, South Dakota, and Arizona. And uh, he was like, hey, I'm playing and I'm going to stream the whole concert on this app. Like, apparently you can just do that. And so, yeah, he just plugged in his phone on the bar's Wi-Fi and set it at the edge of the stage facing his piano. You can chat on it and stuff. We watched an entire concert and it sounded pretty good. And it was like a, it was a lot of fun. Sweet. Um, so we, Louie and I were talking. We decided that we're going to we're going to maybe start trying to do like a monthly live kind of concert series using that app where we're going to get our friends and have like three or four different people play like a 20 minute set live in their living room. And we're going to promote it so that people join in the chat and watch it live and like, you know, and enjoy a concert. And then they play 20 minutes. You send it to somebody else. They play for 20 minutes. We, oh, think, cool. we, we think it would be a lot of fun, especially because we're getting older and everybody's spreading out. And there's so many people making good music that we're friends with. We'd like, you know, want a chance to get to hear it. And this seemed like a pretty fun way to do it. So we're, uh, we're probably going to do one uh, this weekend or next weekend and kind of test it out and see if it works. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you should definitely. For sure, man. Let, what's your Periscope handle? Do you have one? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, yep. it's, yep, it's just the, it's the, po- I just use the podcast one for, I don't have my own Twitter or anything. I just use the, um, the Weekly Awesome one. It's just at Weekly Awesome. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to brush up on my performing. Yeah, man. Get I, yourself a 20 minute yeah. set and let's do this. <laughs> so I was going to have you explain Chief O'Brien. And your your new concept album, Space Love. Yeah, so... Uh, would you call it a concept album? I, I don't think I would call it a concept album. I would... There, there was definitely a heavy theme, I think. But some of the songs are very standalone. And I don't... Uh, I wouldn't claim it to be a concept album myself. But, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I had... Uh, I had released a, a bunch of, you know, random couple songs here and there when MySpace was still the way to do it. And, and all of a sudden it was uh, two years ago and I hadn't completed a, a full project of any kind in like 
God, seven years, maybe six years, like more than just a, a little quick five song EP. And I just, yeah, I felt like I hadn't put much into it. And I, I just really missed the idea of following through on, on an idea of a creative idea and a creative endeavor. And uh, so I was like, all right, you know what? It's time for a new album. I'd started, I'd been writing a lot of songs that were kind of melting into a, a similar genre. And I was like, you know what? I think it would be fun. And a lot of it had to do with playing with the wedding band, just because the guys that we were playing with had a, had a certain style and it was starting to rub off on me. I think uh, a little funkier, a little more, uh, I like to call it grindy uh, R and B. <laughs> Uh, I was wondering about the song Wonderful World. Yeah. I really like that song. And it's, I, I love that you have like this auto tune voice, but the, the background's like a little bit warbly and kind of like different tuning. I've never seen something so wonderful except for you. I guess you could explain what lyrically is going on, but my interpretation was that this space traveler lands on a planet and just is enjoying it so much. He's talking talking about how wonderful this world is, um, but they're gonna have to be asked to leave. And yeah, I was kind of expecting the end to be like this dark thing, maybe like everyone leaves this person behind and something bad happens, but. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what were your thoughts with that? Yeah, well, the, I, I, I'm I'm actually really happy that you mentioned that because I, I haven't talked a ton with people about this album, to be honest, uh, other than uh, you know a handful of people who, after some of the shows, bought it and listened to it, said, "Oh, we liked it." But that that song was like a complete afterthought. I recorded that. <laughs> the reason that it sounds like it does is because I was trying to get the effect and the sound to work in in it ended up being kind of what I was hoping it sounded for, but that was all recorded onto my wife's laptop computer in garage band with no microphone and, a, <laughs> and a really out of tune piano. And I, and I, I just, I played with a lot of effects on it to try to make it sound kind of like a distant, I don't know, kind of how maybe a song, a pop song like that would feel if it was creepily being played from space and it had to travel through all the filters. <laughs> I mean, the idea, I think, was kind of there's this person and they're doing all these different things and they're trying all this stuff out and they're looking at all these different places. And then, you know, you see you see something that you think is exactly right. And then no matter what, you know, time will, will at least, if nothing else before then, take you away from it. And I don't know. That's kind of a sad thought. That kind of comes a, up, I feel like, a lot of, in a lot of what I do. And when we get to the musical, that will also come up. But <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's, but it's true, you know? And yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that, that, well, one, that one was an afterthought, but I was really happy that I put it on there because when it was done, it was, it, it, I think it is probably my favorite song in the whole album. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I almost was like, when I heard that as the last track, 
I thought there was going to be another track. Like the concept was going to continue, um, but maybe God, that's for the I should, second album. I should really send I you. I, that's actually a good point because I have thought about it. I did write one more song after that, um, kind of looking at it from the backwards perspective of the last song, and it was a song about a guy who has no choice. He gets sent into space because he needs to be. They need a human to get out past this to answer some questions. And so instead, Ooh. he's leaving right away and have, having to look back the whole time. It's been quite a few days since they shot me out into interplanetary space. I'm drifting now and leaving the planets behind me. Yes, the system where we live is far behind. And now I see nothing but blackness in front of and beside me. It was a really creepy song, but I really <laughs> liked it. But I, I, I had already, I had already sent the, uh, sent the CDs. I sent, I'd clicked the button on the internet to have the CDs be pressed. So, uh, so that nice. one's been lingering there. I keep looking for the origins of life, but got stuck in this hole. Now I can't find my to mention the chorus of don't think just move Mm. um just because that is really catchy and funky That song uh, is, there's some interesting stories in here. I've, I've never said any of this out loud before. So now that I'm saying it out loud, it is kind of funny. Um, that was the first song that I wrote after I had decided that I was going to turn this into an album. And I was like, you know what? I, I need to, if, if I'm going to do this, I need to have at least one great dance song. And honest to God, I was uh, in stuck in traffic driving from YZ to Soccer Rapids after work in a snowstorm. And uh, I basically was like all right time to time to think of a good what's a good thing to think about like how how do i dance when i dance what am i doing and then i realized like wait i just don't think about it i just dance because when you think when you're dancing then you look ridiculous cuz you know everyone's watching so if you just don't think and you start dancing it usually goes a lot better and i recorded it into my phone i just started singing those exact lyrics and that melody into my phone All right, here's the idea for don't think, just move. Um, Again, you know, trying to use the interesting chords and and pop sensibility of of interesting pop music, but keeping it it to a dance feel. And uh, so whatever tasty lick we're introing with, and then uh, melody idea for the A part of the verse would be the... The city lights are shining down on me. I feel all right. I'm in all right. 
And if the time matches I'm not I see a given time I feel alright something and then into some kind of a B section, you know. Um maybe go back to a groove, I don't know, and then when we finally get to the course it's uh it's don't think, just move. So don't think, just move, just lose yourself to the groove, don't think, just dance and sweat and step till you're dripping wet. I said don't think. Just move, just lose yourself to the groove Don't think, just dance all night Just don't feel to do it right Don't think, just move So, something like that Let's see what we can do with it And then like two weeks later I found it And then I recorded a rough draft of the, <laughs> of, <laughs> of the chorus And then wrote the whole rest of the song that that song's kind of like a how-to or i don't know like an anthem for awkward people who don't who aren't comfortable dancing which yeah, and is it, often I mean, me and it really um, works for so. anybody you know <laughs> i mean it, it's it's good advice if you're awkward or not because like even if you're not awkward it's still there i feel like the people who are good at dancing but not like i'm not not talking like the the guy who like did ballet for eight years and can do some serious stuff. But like, you know, you know, when you're out and there's the one guy who can, his feet move like way too good, Justin Timberlakey. And he just is like totally hooked into the, the groove. Uh, like that guy, that guy for sure isn't thinking right. Like he just knows his body just knows to do that. And I don't know. Oh God. I love dancing. Charlie. Do you like dancing? Uh, I do. I used to a little bit more. Um, but Yeah. I do like dancing. Yeah, me too. Dancing is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like yeah, I I realized there was a point where I I I think it was like ninth grade or something where I, I just was like kind of surrounded by friends on a boat. I was like, ah, screw it, why not just dance? Because before that, you know, it just felt weird and awkward. Yeah. And but then. Then again, like when I was a kid, like I, I think like every single kid loves dancing for some reason. Yo, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I, you get it though. Like I get it. Every kid would love dancing because it seems, wouldn't it, from the from the eyes of a child, like there's no way that we like watched dancing when we were four and like picked it apart for what it is like, cause I feel like if you were watching a sport or if you were watching a competition of some kind or an event happen as a kid, I feel like you could figure out what the goal is at least, or at least close to what is trying to happen. They're trying to get the ball there. They're trying to do this, but dancing, I feel like is just like, Oh, there's music. I, cause I love music. Cause if you're a kid, you love music and people shaking around and being weird. And like, as a little kid, all you want to do is be like moving around and being weird. Right. Yeah. I feel, I feel like it's like the most natural thing to do as a kid is like, yeah, just flop around and get up in people's face and make them look at you. You know, like look at yeah. me, you know, that's what you're like as a little kid. Did you teach 
kids music as am I remembering right? Yeah, that, yeah, I did after after uh after college I did 2 years of AmeriCorps in Central Oregon. And it was out in the middle of absolutely nowhere, like uh, the, as the ruralest place you can think of in Minnesota doesn't do it justice because <laughs> in Minnesota, the next tiny town is five miles away. So I was I lived in a town, yeah, with uh, 280 people. And uh, there was one town with like three or 400 people 20 minutes away. And after that, it was three hours to the next people. Whoa. Um, yeah. Yeah. We were, we were <laughs> out there. And so each of those two schools or two towns had a school and they hadn't had they had their, the school systems were in, in rough shape out there. And so they had all their arts, uh, funding cut like seven or eight years before this. And, uh, a nonprofit called ethos music center out of Portland, Oregon had gotten a grant to get two AmeriCorps members to get out there to teach classroom music full time and then do all kinds of lessons and stuff for the students in the community after schools and stuff. And so me and my now one of my best friends, uh, Nathan, uh, we just got lucky enough to get paired together and became close friends. And we uh, taught in those two schools and then two more schools the next year. Yeah, it was awesome. General music and then uh, taught a bunch of guitar, piano, horn lessons and uh, played with the community pet band and drummed in a local uh, country band in town that recruited me. Oh, cool. Witness my suffering, give ear to my plea, let me see my babies, I'm down on my knees. The Wheeler County Ramblers, check them out. I think they have like (laughs) 10 likes on Facebook. Nice. Well, after this interview, that's just going to skyrocket. Oh, let's go. You'd love it, dude. That Dan, mm, that my neighbor, most interesting man that's ever lived. Um, his name's Dan Robinson. Uh, he's a professional artist. He's an oil painter. Phenomenal. It's all of this very realist, like, stru- I don't know what you, what, like, it's, it's everything is these big, old, industrial structures. And it's just really interesting stuff. And he had a bunch of studio shows a year and just his, his wife... He just had two shows a year, and he just drank whiskey, played guitar, and painted to the wee hours of every night. And that's all he did. If I had a vessel, the flood I would sail as the wasted trestle and through the gate. He, he had this band, and so we would just hang out and that there was two of the best years for my musical development of all time because in those two the, him and Gene the crazy old man bass player that played together Gene was a, a a longtime member of the union and all he had ever done is play bass to 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 earn a living and he was crotchety and old and crazy and these two guys knew every song written from like 1940 to 1970 I mean, I swear to God, the amount of awesome old country and Western music that I didn't know existed that I like learned and played, it was amazing. Like I loved every minute of it and it, it helped me really appreciate a, a, an entire style of music that I'd really never given a shit about. Oh, it was so yeah. cool. Yeah. I feel like in being in a small town, I'm, I'm sure you having no one else to play with, like you're yeah. destined to play with the people who are that the most passionate about it and like maybe different age groups and whatever. Yeah. You find out quickly in a town that size, especially when you bring in something different. Uh, it was very like within a week, I had basically knew every person in town who played an instrument of any kind. 
Like I knew who they were and what they played. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like whereas it the whether it be the adults or the kids who had taken one lesson once, it was uh, it was it was quite the experience. <laughs> cool. Is there anything you can point to in your your current music you're writing that's like that experience added to or influenced? <laughs> well, for sure. Well, while I lived there, I took my first crack at writing a musical and failed miserably. Um, so that, that had an effect, but I, I definitely, the, the music I played with those guys with learning these old, you know, sixties country and Western, uh, there's the style that these songs were all played in. I I'm, if you know, if you have the old, you know, Hey man, what, what are you, are you, are you a lyrics or are you a melody guy? You know, you know, how many times you've been asked that question and give me a big pop melody and I'm happy. Sometimes I don't even know what the hell's being said in a song and I'm, and I'm as happy as can be and, and love it. But I really love good stories just in general. And God, these old country and Western songs are just such beautiful stories. Like the fact that a three and a half minute song with a three instruments and one guy with a funny voice singing can like move me. Like I'd never had that with like that in that way, if that makes sense. Like where a song would like actually be touching to me rather than like songs used to get me pumped up or like make me mad or make me this or that. But like very rarely did songs until that time really like start moving me. And then I started really paying more attention to kind of the beauty of, of the story rather than just, you know, how cool it sounds. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for that. Cause I just say, yeah, up to that point, I hadn't given it enough credit and I definitely have taken that away from those couple years. Yeah. So what was your first musical about that? That failed. Uh, Why so did I, it fail? Well, I think, <laughs> Cause like, I mean, in the same thing that I'm lucky enough now to, to have had a, a partner join me with the writing side of it, but I just got really frustrated because <laughs> I had no idea how or what I was doing. I just wanted to try it. And, uh, it was after I had been there for a year and God, if, if you could, everyone in the world just needs to see a place, like to live in a place like this. Cause it's, it's just so, it's so remote and, ah. Uh, everyone knows everything about everybody in a town this size and it's it's half creepy it's half comical it's super beautiful to be i mean the stars there are it's the most amazing thing ever but it's just a very very huge shift from any other life i could imagine and the stories man like the actual things that happen in a town this size cuz a lot of poor people with not a lot of money. There's a couple of rich ranchers and then everybody else supports the ranches. A lot of drinking, a lot of drama. Like the sheriff's wife was taking care of a sick mother across the country, came back to the sheriff, banging the deputy. They disappeared and then sent an email and had joined armed forces in Iraq. And so there was just no police in the whole county for like two weeks. What? Like, yeah, man, like it just Whoa. like stuff like that was normal. There were just all these crazy stories that would only happen in a town that size. Whoa. And, uh, and so I was like, God, this would make such great material for something. And I, and, and in my head, I was like, God, TV movie, you know? And then I was like, oh man, I think this might, this would be a fun kind of way to, to tackle a musical. And so I had written this kind of basic outline of a story and, and I thought it was pretty good and it was very sad. It was, I, I, I love, I'm a big fan of the, um, the way that like Romeo and Juliet and some of those old Shakespeare tragedies are told where, where like it starts with them telling you that everything is about to go horribly, horribly wrong. I love, like, those are an interesting way to, 
I, I don't know. I'm a big fan. And so I wanted to write this big, crazy, sad musical. And it was called This Sad Affair. And it was about all these because it was just, it was perfect. This, all the things happening in this town made just perfect, a little exaggeration. And it would have been musical gold. But I, I worked on it for a year and I had maybe seven or eight songs done. And like one of them was awesome. And the rest were so bad that I couldn't even listen to them without getting super upset. And so I just, I, I just, and I, and I had a lot of it written and I was frustrated because I had no idea how to write, you know, I, I didn't know what went where and how, cause I, I love musicals and I, and I have seen and yeah, I, but I never no musicals yeah. were always during baseball season, man, you know? <laughs> so, yep. uh, I had no so, idea. So I just, the whole thing frustrated me. And all of a sudden one day when I was really mad and angry and it wasn't going well, I just deleted every bit of information about it off of my computer so that I would make myself spend my time on something that would be more productive. Whoa. That is yeah, that's I was, extreme. But. I, it was bad, man. It was bad. If you could have heard some of these songs, you'd have been like, good call. Good call. <laughs> okay. You made, the, you, made, you made the right choice. Huh. But the couple that were good are the reason that I got in, you know, excited about doing another, or at least giving it another try. Yeah, because you know, get a oh, good start. Cool. You just got to get got to get moving in the right direction. You know. Yeah. Well, the Shakespearean thing you're talking about kind of made me think about your album with your cousin, "Enter the Enchanted Whiskey Forest," ah, because yes. uh, right off the bat, you're like, "Wow, this is not going to end well." Probably. <laughs> yeah. You know, we both have always, I think, uh, and, you know, my cousin Louise, my best buddy, uh, co-hosts the, the podcast. We just hung out and played the songwriting game that you and I have played uh, once. And, and we had a couple cool songs that we had written together. They, they both had a very, the, you know, the way that Enter the Enchanted Whiskey Forest sounds that kind of like, oh, man, what, you know, what exactly does, is that going to mean? These songs fit that idea pretty well. But yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It's, it, it's kind of, a, we were just getting out a lot of songs about uh, that very awkward thing I feel like a lot of our friends are going through, which is the, how do I deal with turning an age that I'm not comfortable believing that I am and all of the ways life have changed in those few years? It's just very different than being a 25-year-old single person in a Portland, Oregon, and you know what I mean? And then going to be like, oh, man. The world has changed. Everyone is married. There are children. I have high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Like I could, you know, it's, 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 I know some people just cruise right into it, but we were both discussing, uh, you know, it's, it's a very interesting way to feel because it's like, you don't feel, you, you don't understand that feeling until you get to that age. You can describe it all you want, but until you're sitting there staring at it, it's a very strange thing. And, uh, <laughs> And we yeah. were just talking. We were just, and we were just started kind of talking about random things that made us want to just just have a couple couple drinks of whiskey and calm the nerves and just relax a little bit. And so they kind of turned into a bunch of different ideas about all the things that led us to that feeling and that interesting, weird, kind of scary place that makes us. Or or sometimes it's joyful. I mean, there there are reasons to drink when you're happy, but I feel like whiskey is particularly a somber what's happening type of drink. It's not like we're having margaritas over here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that country silence freaks me out. I just don't like the sound of hearing nothing every night. That country silence brings me down. I 
I'm guessing Country Silence was inspired by your... Um, oh, ab- yep, absolutely. <laughs> it, you yeah. can't... It's another thing that you can't describe, you know? Like, I'm one of those people who's really affected by a lot of stuff, I feel like. like, like I, But, like, you know, movies and stuff. Like, I, I'll be the one who uh, will realize I'm sitting up really on the edge of my seat and really, really diving into it. And I, I still, like, the most beautiful scene you could you could be dragged into in the most beautifully shot movie describing a place there's you just can't it's just doesn't compare to just standing outside your house and being able to see the 40 houses in town because you're a little bit on an incline and then seeing a bunch of flat flats and high desert scenes around you and then seeing a bajillion stars and hearing nothing and just realizing that, like, fuck, you are so in the middle of nowhere, and it's it's it. Oh man, it's a yeah. it's a creepy thing. It, it's it's cool sometimes, but man, when you're alone, it can be terrifying. Yeah. Well, my first experience in Oregon actually was um, my girlfriend and I were taking a road trip, and we were going north from California. Okay. And it was like eleven thirty at night, and we were super low on gas and there are like so few gas stations out there. Um, And so, yeah, then we pulled up to one luckily that was there and uh, got yelled at because I was trying to pump my own gas. (laughs) I think (laughs) it happens to everyone. The first gas station you hit uh, in Oregon. Yeah. The first time. And of course we just happened to hit one of the gas stations that was super shady. Oh, (laughs) just like, Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Anyway. The same exact thing. The first gas station we stopped as we pulled into Oregon that, that summer, we got out and a lady came running out from inside screaming at us, you can't pump your own gas here. <laughs> like, sorry, lady. It's not our fault. <laughs> sorry, you don't know about your weird laws. Um, but, no, but no sales tax. I can get behind that. <laughs> yeah. So how about the song, I'll Never Be the Piano Man? Uh, oh, What's this- that one about? This was a fun experiment that uh, DJ Rad Tad, which is Tyler. Um, yeah, but, I, uh, but, but no he, one needs to know that. Right, exactly. <laughs> so DJ Rad Tad and I had, uh, we sometimes have just randomly over the years sent each other, I, you know, I'll send him something and just be like, hey man, what do you think? Or, hey, any chance you want to hop in and help make this cooler? And he just sent me this. He goes, hey, you should turn this into a song about Billy Joel. And then I took what he sent me and I chopped it up. And then I wrote, I just sat down and just, I I hit a groove and I was like, oh, this is great. And I was just like, oh, you know what? Like I realize, and I, it's, I know it's negative, but who cares? Like, I feel like I want some whiskey when I hear just, you know, you never hit that when you, when you're listening to songs, especially like old songs where the technology is so different and it's so much more raw and you can just hear everything. And you're like, oh my God, this is Billy Joel. And he's a year younger than I am when he did this. And holy shit, those were nine amazing songs in a row. I have nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, if I could have one tenth, you know that feeling when you just get the like the God, I wish I could I could have written that song. I wish I could, you know. So that it kind of came from the idea of wanting to do a, a kind of a little bit of a tribute to Billy Joel while at the same time sticking to, to what we were talking about. If you want to win that match, you first got to look like all this construction built. 
Joel song, uh, tribute song without some fake synthesized saxophones. <laughs> no real sax, though. I mean, no, you do I play. was, I, I was going to, but Billy Joel doesn't. I mean, he, I mean, he has plenty of really good saxophone. Uh, he had, he has one of the, just amazing utility player in his uh, band of all time. I'm forgetting his name right now, but he just a killer sax player. But I don't know. I just 80s Billy Joel makes me laugh every time in like six way harmony with. Synth, like obviously synthesized saxophones and then the best part is because this is right when people started making like full-blown music videos watch keeping the faith by billy joel on youtube everyone you will die it is he gets put on trial in musical court for for not ha- keeping faith in the music and there are steps that light up and a bunch of guys playing saxophone over at a clearly synthesized saxophone solo oh, no. and like and it's basically like this weird Alice in Wonderland Wizard of Ozzy world with all these celebrities and a music chord in it and then they all like dance around and it's the greatest thing basically ever uh, I highly recommend it. But anyway, that was that that was I wanted to have something like that in there. I was like, well, if we're going to do a Billy Joel, a little bit of a nod to Billy Joel with everything about this song, then uh, uh, we need we need some 80s synthesizers, saxophones. Sweet. So you have your podcast, The Weekly Awesome. Indeed. And you've been putting together these like really great jingles for each segment. Oh, thank um, you. Seems like you have like <clears throat> at least 10 in the two episodes I heard. Yeah, I, I I wrote originally like that was so when when I decided to do the podcast, I had had the, the idea for like I was like god it would be fun and Bill and Louie are two of my two of my best buddies and they're two of like the most interesting, well-spoken and also just hilariously funny guys I know in completely different ways. Like they're super different but very similar and I was like god I would love to do a podcast with those two where we just like hang out like buddies and have some drinks and talk about beer and music and movies and just everything that we like and just like, you know, have a good time. Cause I was like, I think it would be kind of funny and I think it might be interesting. And then I immediately went to the piano and was like this, this show, which has no, nothing else needs a jingle. And then I made a list of segment ideas and I sent them to those guys and they were like, okay, cool. And then I was like, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. So then I got really obsessed for like a week and a half and I wanted every segment to have a jingle. And so now I always write a jingle the second we come up with a new segment idea because I like jingles and they're fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about, what are your, your top five? My top five jingles? Jingles that you've done. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Top five jingles on the show. Okay. So for sure the best jingle... Well, I don't know. Okay, so I my favorite jingle is the theme song. Uh, I just <laughs> I really like the it's it's just it's just catchy and it makes me happy. And um, yelling awesome is fun. Awesome! 
the the awesome person of the week. Um, I used some I used some fun meter in that one. Uh, oh, we just did a new one. Uh, I did, I did a new one because uh, I wanted it to be creepy. The the quiz theme is quite creepy. Do you think you have the knowledge? You think you are a whiz? Here's your chance to prove it. Yes, it's the weekly awesome, awesome quiz. Good luck. They're they're all fun. I don't know. It, 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 writing a jingle is fun and silly, and I don't really give it much thought. And if you just yell the name of it at the end, you can just write any music you want and then just yell the name of the segment. Totally works. Totally, <laughs> totally nice. works. Yeah, I, I really enjoy doing that for this podcast, too. Yeah, I was just saying, I was, I've heard a few jingles on the ones I've listened to, and I was like, ah, we could probably talk jingles, because they're they're fun. Yeah. And they, they're short, and you can make them, how, they can be as weird as you want. They don't have to make any yes. sense, because by the time they're over is when somebody would have analyzed to try to figure out what it was doing, you know what I mean? So, yeah, oh, you can just do anything with a jingle. And it's just refreshing, like, only having to write in general, like one verse worth of, totally, <laughs> of lyrics, yeah. and but yet you can do like some really crazy, fun chord progressions or melodies or whatever. Oh yeah, God, you can you can go just completely off chart and, and have it make no sense because it's not long enough for anyone to be like that didn't make sense. You're like, didn't it? Exactly. <laughs> so, do you have any like um, chord progression tricks or uh, melody writing tricks that you? Hmm. that you use um tricks that i use okay trick one record lots of stuff i mean like i have hundreds of voice memos on my iphone at all times like if i think of any kind of melody or if i'm trying to think of one if you record a lot of different variations just quickly and keep listening to them and keep playing them over. Eventually one of them is going to stick in your head. And if it's stuck in your head, you know, it's good. So that is one, uh, the five, a six chord, always your friend. Don't know what to do. Figure out a way to incorporate that. It'll make it sound interesting. Cool. And, uh, it, yeah, don't listen to what other people say. Hero chords are the greatest. <laughs> is that the like flat six, flat, flat seven, seven, one, seven. Yep. yep. One. Yeah. Hero chords, nice. baby. That is the that is like the composer quest theme. Those are the chords of questing. I mean <laughs> yeah. if, if 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 Composer Quest wasn't built around the hero chords, it would it would be a travesty indeed. It would. Well, and that's all thanks to Mitch. Because oh, yeah. Mitch Mitch appreciates one. the hero chords, man. In episode one, that was his very first intro theme that he did nice. for the podcast, which I might as well bring it up now. Um, I would love to get a, an intro theme from you for this episode. Hmm. 
composer quests. Okay. Whatever you would, <clears throat> however you would produce that. All right. Okay. Prepare, prepare for some hero chords. Sweet. <laughs> so I want to ask you about your musical because yeah. it sounds really cool. Is it okay. called Written in the Stars? Is yes. Yep. The... It's, yep. The title is going to be Written in the Stars. So yeah. Tell me what's the concept. The story is basically, uh, it's a tale of a group of NASA scientists who are, uh, hunting down a solution to a very big problem that has unfolded in space. The story is about them as well as the president and his inner circle trying to deal with the, the crisis at hand. And then it's, it's all also thrown a bit about by the presence of a new cult that's rising to power in the wake of all the uncertainty on Earth over the Earth's fate. Um, it's kind of set up to be a NASA versus the government, you know, is NASA important type battle uh, is how it sets up early. But the, the overall idea is to kind of follow what would happen if something like this, like the apocalypse, it's an apocalypse, it's an apocalypse musical. I mean, it's basically Armageddon, the musical. Um, <laughs> if we can get Ben Affleck, that'd be great. <laughs> so yeah, and just kind of how different people are dealing with the what seems to be inevitable while others are working to till right up to the very end to try to find a solution to see if humanity can be saved. Sweet. Uh so, side note, it does not end well <laughs> for humanity. Oh. Well, seeing as how one of your tracks is called The Death of a Billion Stars. That, yep. that does, yeah, sounds yeah, epically bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. The title was supposed to grab was supposed to grab you like that. Okay, good. Nice. So the so you've finished mostly the the uh music for Act 1, right? Yep, and yep. So I've got I just um we uh I'm writing the show with my good friend Nicole, who is a friend of the pod, I know. Yep. And it's and it's great because I mean, she's a pro, you know. She she works in the theater and she's helping unfold the the story in such a fun way and helping me know like, no, you don't have to con concentrate on this. And you, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a musical. Mm. You have to get, I, I overthought the first attempt and even the, what I had worked, cause I worked on it for a year before she joined me and I, and I had this story, but I didn't know what to do with it. Cause I didn't know how to write it, you know? Mm. And yeah. uh yeah. So, so anyway, what, what kind of things was she saying that you should well, focus on versus like what you thought? Okay, so every here's here's the interesting thing, right? Is when in my head, when I'm thinking about okay, so here's the story. Here are I have all of the songs laid out. Here are what the songs are gonna be about. Here is what I want the style of the songs to be, and then I had a handful of them written before I started. And and then as I was trying to figure out how dialogue should, should be put in the story and what exact lyrical things do I need to do with each of the songs? I was thinking of the scenes, you know, not the non song parts of the musical. I can't not visualize them in my head, like a movie, you know, in my head, I'm up close with the people talking and they can have this long back and forth and it, they, it can't be like that on the stage. You know, they're, she, she, she helped me really see that, no, no, like, you know, you don't want to be repeating yourself. You want to make sure that, that your songs are telling a story 
and that they're not just there because they're a song. Like you really want them to help drive the story rather than tell the story, sing a song, tell the story, sing a song. So that was good because I definitely over the story had way too much detail and she helped me realize, no, with the set, with the setting in the, in the, in the book, it'll have the scene setting and it, it'll help get all of the things that you want to say into a scene. Um, so it was just, yeah, yeah it, it was, it was, that was awesome. I don't remember what your original question was because I <laughs> uh, went off on a tangent, which I do. <laughs> well, that, that, no, that's interesting. But, like, I feel like that's a, a good thing to think about with like writing for film too, as versus like writing a book. Oh, totally. You almost want as little dialogue as possible. Exactly. You don't want people telling things that people can obviously gather from visuals or whatever. Yeah. This, yeah, no. But like, this is another tangent, but like radio drama, I think it's just, just going to be so hard to do that kind of thing because you have to like, each character has to say everything that's going on, which isn't like a normal thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of radio dramas, I like to to listen to as many podcasts and books on tape as I can while I work because I just am a mindless drone hammering numbers between <laughs> systems in the accounting department at my office. And so I can just zone out because there are times where I'm doing the same thing over and over again for eight straight hours. And I just downloaded the BBC radio's entire Chronicles of Narnia. And uh, it was they they redid it for the radio so there was like still a narrator being descriptive but they cut out some of the settings and added like there's like extra little bits with music and and like kind of like they're acting out the scenes but it's like this weird halfway between like a standard radio drama and more of kind of like a reading of a of what you'd see on stage i don't know it's it's really cool hmm. though like it's a very different way to watch it cuz i know those books pretty well and so not hearing all of the words said, it, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's fun. I highly recommend it. And it wasn't, it was hmm. like all seven books and it was like, I don't know, 13 bucks or something. How did they use the music in that? Just, to, just like they cut it out during some scenes, but like they would help use it to like, um, like the, the, oh, so when they go to the world, uh, in the, in the magician's nephew, I, I believe like right when they get to the world, well, what's it, the lake between the worlds or whatever. That's the pool that leads to Narnia. Like when to, to kind of give you this dreamy new setting, uh, when they leave there and go to Narnia, then they, they use music and they put a little bit of music in the background to like, when there's like, when they're dancing and partying after Aslan has created everybody. And like, they just use it subtly, just these little orchestrations of things in the background or when they talk about the dryads dancing with the, whatever, like, they just intersperse it, little bits of uh, of just little stuff behind it to kind of bring out the kind of kind of like you're watching like they would use it in a movie, you know what I mean? Like just to kind of help set the setting and give sure. you what help make you say this is how you're supposed to feel about this. But 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, it's cool. It's I highly recommend it. I, I'm I'm two books in so so far and enjoying it. Cool. Yeah. Well, back to your musical here. Yeah. Your title track, Written in the Stars, I thought yeah. had such a great melody. All the stars together are singing, all I'm thinking now this must be love. Uh, 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 uh. I'm one of those people who has like a Google Drive 
of a crazy person. If you saw it, you would just laugh. <laughs> it's like I have uh, like 70 different folders with headlines and then inside of them are just like half thought ideas of everything that I can think of because I just like to write it down so that it's somewhere. And this was one that I was like, oh man, you know, is this, would this make a good, ooh, that could make a good movie here. You know, I was doing one of those and I don't remember what I was doing, but I, all of a sudden I was playing piano and then the story came to my head and then I thought about it and then I just started playing and I sat at my piano for a couple hours and wrote written in the stars. I was like, the, in, in the story, all I knew was that some, like it, the bad thing would happen and then that's when the scientists would realize they only have the time left that's remaining to, to be in love so no more fighting around their feelings. Because you got to have a beautiful love song in a big musical. There's got to be at least one where you're like, yeah, I want them to be in love. Time, it's written in the stars It's running out We must make this minute ours forever More time is all we need But the clock is ticking down And now you're all I can see But I know yeah it was fun listening to your demos because uh, it's just it <laughs> how do you sounds... how do you like my really high wheezy girl voice <laughs> oh it's it's excellent <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I lost my voice a couple times doing that <laughs> yeah well it's good to actually sing it at that level because i've yeah. done that before where i've tried to write a, a girl's voice part and it just like turns out not like what i was trying to do myself with like <laughs> yeah an octave down it's because it's amazing right like that and that's totally exactly i i love i love writing songs from a female perspective or more, moreover, just, I love writing a song for a girl, girl voice to just blast out. And that like Nicole with the chief O'Brien album is just like, I love her voice so damn much. She like kills it. I mean, those, those, what, uh, there's the one song that's just spells it on that first Spencer album, a baby don't go when she just belts it out. I just love that so much. And so on the Chief O'Brien album is when I finally realized like, oh shit, when I'm writing for a girl, if I just go up to where it's actually going to be sung and then just belt it out, I can get a much better understanding of how this will actually sound. Yeah, yeah. It, it does, right? I mean, it just makes it yeah. a lot easier if you can hear if you can hear it in the actual octave. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was just impressed by like how much it sounded musically I guess I I don't oh, know like you. what the those specific qualities are, but it's just like fast paced lyrics and just like really cool chord changes and melodies. It's my the science of girls, oh yes, oh yes, the science of girls. Can someone tell us how to be normal when you're talking to a member of the opposite sex? Then you please the science of girls, oh yes, oh yes, the science of girls we need advice here i know that i'm falling for her brains and beauty and yesterday i heard a talking call of duty i've really enjoyed it 
especially this time around, because A, the story's better, and B, I, you know, seven years of, I love, I, I am, the only thing I'm liking about aging is that the older we get and the more we do it, the better we get at writing songs, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, this time around, it's been really fun working on these tunes because there's so many interesting chord progressions and so many different places that you can go when trying to make something that's still catchy, but it just, you know, when you stick to mainly writing pop music and, and that's basically what I've done. And most of my friends who are, are writers uh, most of the time are sticking to pop music that there's just a lot of stuff. You can't get too weird with it. Uh, I mean, you can, and maybe we should. So maybe what I'm saying yeah. is stupid, but you don't usually venture too far out. And the, the thing I've really loved is like, wait, no, this is a musical. There are no rules. And if there are rules, I don't give a shit. You know, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's really fun to think like, oh, I love when a chord progression does this. And when I love this, oh shit, I'm going to put it all together because who cares? Halfway through this song, the mood might change and the song can go in a completely different direction. Who gives a shit? It's a musical. Like that, that's part of musicals is, is the abrupt change from one character to the next or from one second to the next. And you can do that in a song. And so it's really fun to try to just work little hints of all of your favorite devices in, in chord progressions and, and the little tricks of, of the trade that you pick up writing those pop tunes and throwing as many of them there as you can. Cause I mean, it really is just a giant hodgepodge of, of chaos when you look at the music of a musical and it's, it's been really fun. Uh, and, cool. and, and I like the whole, like, uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of storytelling in, in songwriting and like sometimes getting very like descriptive of something. And so that is really fun to do. Cause I don't do it a ton anymore in the pop music. I write yeah. to, to, to be able to be like, you know what? I want to say all of these things and I totally can. Cause that's what I, cause that that's how this works. And so, yeah. you know, really thinking, Hey, I want to say this big long line cause it's funny and it works really well and the, the rhyme scheme will work and it would have no place in a pop song, but I can do something really fun and turn this into the main melody of a song and it's going to work great in a musical. Yeah. So when, uh, when is the musical going to be premiered? Do you think? Or oh, gosh, finished you... first, I guess. <laughs> My hope would be that we'll be done by next summer with writing everything and then probably take next summer um, to to finish the recording because no matter what, I want to have the recording. That's just that was what I wanted from the start. But uh, you know, I, I I'm hoping that we can put it on. And, and Nicole seems pretty uh, pretty excited, and she she really thinks that we can. Cool. Well, Bubba, it's time to ask you a question from my previous guest because uh, we have okay. a question chain going on. Eight inches. <laughs> um that doesn't that doesn't really fit sorry uh oh that's what she said no <laughs> uh okay so your question is from lena chapelle and she was asking if you were going to write a piece of music for your breakfast this morning what instrumentation would it be <sighs> yeah if I was going to write, could you repeat the question, please? If, if you're going to write a piece of music for your breakfast this morning, like, uh, okay. Characterizing your breakfast. What did you have for breakfast? First of all? Well, that's, that's the problem. I was thinking probably a, a, a stringless guitar or, <laughs> uh, 
or maybe just I would probably I would probably hold a violin and then just look longingly into the distance uh, for I had no breakfast this morning. Not, <laughs> not even a cup of coffee to claim as breakfast. Oh, I just I just got up and went to work. And then all of a sudden someone goes, hey, man, there's turkey for work Thanksgiving. And I was like, oh, and then I went and ate turkey. <laughs> but in the spirit of giving an answer that isn't that, if I were to write one about my lunch today, it would probably be like a, uh, probably be just like a your standard uh, old timey folk lineup because I it's a I, we had Thanksgiving at, at work, and I'd probably sing a, a song about, you know, probably like a maybe like a bluegrass song about oats and corn and potatoes and farming. <laughs> All right, it's probably what it would be. Nice, thanks. Cool. So, uh, what's your question for the next guest? Okay. What is my question for your next guest? I'm assuming we want it to be music related. Yes. (laughs) Um, it doesn't have to be, but. Okay. All right. If you were riding through the sky into battle on the back of your favorite mythical being, and you were in charge of playing the war cry or, you know, or the horn or whatever um, as you went into battle. Please describe the mythical instrument <laughs> that you would want to be playing. <laughs> and give it a name. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right. That's. I'm really that's... looking forward to hearing whoever has to answer that. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Well, well, Bubba. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the most, even though we've, you know, hung out, this is probably the most we've talked by like 10 times. Oh yeah. I bet, I bet this, this is for sure the most we've talked continuously. I'd say, uh, one-on-one with no one else in the conversation, I'd say like this conversation probably is now equal to all of the other ones combined. They probably, I'd say like a good hour, hour and a half of total conversation. Yeah. It's, it's fun. We should, we should do it more often. Yeah. We're always at a concert when we see each other. And it's loud. And (laughs) we're out, we're always out at a concert when we run into each other. Yeah. And you're always dancing anyways. I do like dancing. You just gotta, just don't think (laughs) about it. Just don't think, just move. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks Bubba. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Yep. All right. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Bubba Hollenhorst. I have links to all of Bubba's projects we talked about in the show notes at composerquest.com slash Bubba. If you're around the Twin Cities and feel like dancing after Christmas, Fred Savage and the Unbeatables are playing a show the night after Christmas, 8 p.m. at the Amsterdam Bar in St. Paul. The beautiful song you heard from Dan Robinson and the Wheeler County Ramblers was called On My Knees. You can listen to the whole thing at soundcloud.com slash lonelygrangerecorders. If you want to get in touch with me, find ComposerQuest on Facebook or Twitter, or just email me, charlie at composerquest.com. Now I promised I'd share Bubba's song from our songwriting game. If you're a hardcore ComposerQuest fan, you probably heard another recording from this game in episode 2 with Ryan Ruff-Smith, called Once a Man, Two Times a Muppet. 
We must have had Muppets on the brain, because Bubba's title prompt was, My Muppet Died in My Arms. I'll leave you now with this never-before-heard song, written by Bubba, in under 45 minutes. Turning around 